Adrian Gore, the founder, co-founder and chief executive of Discovery. Uh, yesterday, uh, the webinar that you held, Adrian, uh, to explain, to p- unpack uh, the case for mandatory vaccinations. Already, we're seeing a lot of feedback within the business community where I guess uh, it, it, it gives us an opportunity to really unpack this and, and maybe to go back. The whole story of Discovery has been shared value. It's been behavioral uh, incentives, trying to get people to do things because they're incentivized to do them. Whereas mandatory vaccines seem to be completely on the other end of the spectrum. And, and that, I think, is what's confusing many people and saying, but why is, is the ethos of a business like yours, which is to encourage people to do things rather than to force them to do things, why are you taking such a different approach this time around? Um, look, I mean, I think it's a, it's, that's a very, very uh, important point. Um, I, think, I think the – listen, it's important to say that, you know, as you are – as I think you're pointing out, the issue of incentives is very, very powerful, and we've built our whole business model of incentivizing better healthy choices, you know, so it's to this very point. Um, and the incentives, I mean, we, we've used around the fact that people often make – uh, choices based on irrational ideas, et cetera, et cetera, incentivizing change. The fact of the vaccine is is different, I think. Uh, the, the, the time frame is short for action, number one. Number two, there's a huge amount of, of misinformation out there. Uh, and number three, the there's deep ideological issues in this. So it's, it's a much harder uh, uh, point to get across. And I think incentives in this regard, in our view, would take too long. Too many lives would be lost. We're coming up to a fourth wave. We're in it now. Um, and in fact, when we started this mandate, we were thinking in September, our modeling showed that the, the wave would start uh, end of November, December. I think most modeling didn't. That's what's happened. So incentives would take too long. Uh, they'd be too insipid, I think. Over time, they'd probably work, you know, as people saw what would happen, et cetera. But, uh, you know, our views that don't work uh, in, in something that is so important. And therefore, if you can't incentivize on nature, you've got to regulate, you know, and, and regulate your remedies is a mandate, whether it's at a corporate level or a, or a, or a country level. So we didn't take the decision lightly, and I think the irony of your observation uh, wasn't lost on us, you know. Um, but I do think that uh, discovery being at the forefront of the debate, uh, being very, very involved in the in the in the country's response, and our kind of social mandate of trying to make people healthier, um, is something we've taken seriously. And therefore, we took the decision to mandate it for our staff, importantly, not for anyone broader, for our staff, uh, very, very carefully with a lot of debate. So uh, I think your observation is is ironical and important, but uh, we're very comfortable with it. So it's worked for Discovery staff, and I think you articulated that very, uh, very clearly yesterday. Also, you've got, was it 1.7 million data points because of the number of lives that are insured or the health that's insured through Discovery. So you've got a very, very, you've probably got the best insight, certainly in South Africa, into how the how COVID is affecting this country but must be amongst the best in the world. So you know that vaccinations actually work. Without going into great detail on that, though, your colleague, uh, Emil Stipp, said to me in an interview here recently that by that stage already, somewhere around three-quarters of South Africans had already been infected. They might have been asymptomatic. But doesn't that then suggest that a lot of people have already got a natural immunity and why would you then want them to be vaccinated as well? Well, I think that I think the vaccination is 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 one of the the tools in the toolkit. You know, there are a number of them. 
you know, natural immunity is important. I agree with you, but it's, you know, we need to do whatever we can. It's not clear. Uh, it's not clear uh, how strong that's going to be going forward. It, it, it wears down as does the vaccine, you know, so I don't think there's one silver bullet to this thing. We're seeing with, with uh, Omicron, I mean, the data or, or the expectation given the mutations that have happened is it's likely that that natural immunity will not work against, against, uh, against this form, this variant of the virus. Uh, so therefore, Vaccine may be the only backstop at the moment, you know, so these things are not clear. Um, the vaccine for sure is unequivocally powerful and we have to use it. It will wear down over time. Variants may emerge. I hope not that evade it. We have to do what we can. Uh, but I don't think we're around any one issue. And I think relying on just national immunity, uh, I think is going to be at the moment is not, is not sufficient. It, it would seem. So, so again, I think the vaccine, particularly in the case of this new variant, seems to be very, very important. And I think the hope is that it does uh, protect us against severe illness and death. Um, it's not clear it will protect against infection as well. So just underscoring the point, I don't think there's one remedy here. Vaccine is probably the most powerful. So it's almost like use whatever you've got in your armory to try and get the fourth wave to be less or as less destructive as possible. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, but I think the things are not equally weighted. For sure, you know, social distancing, not gathering, uh, whether there are restrictions or not, these I think are rational choices people should make. And we'd encourage them strongly not to be indoors with many people. We've learned from the science what happens. So you've got restrictions again at a country level, and we stayed on, on level one. Um, and, you know, and, and that may be the right thing at this stage. People should be very, very vigilant. But I think the vaccine is probably one of the most powerful things we should do. It's the one issue that seems to be from the data unequivocal. Um, and therefore, you're right, it is one of, there are things we should do, but I think that's probably the most powerful. So are you supportive of the Business for South Africa call to have mandatory vaccines in South Africa? Um, yes, 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 we are. Um, but I think the call from business is, is a rational one. It's not about just, a, you know, mandated. I think the call is more about mandating vaccines for people going to public spaces, stadia, uh, you know, events, those kinds of things. I think that's right. Um, I think the more mandated it is, the better. Therefore, sure that, you know, people, I think the issue here is that, is that this is about uh, public health. It's not just a personal choice here. You're dealing with an issue that we know uh, that when people are vaccinated, viruses spread slower. We know that when populations are vaccinated, the chance of variance is lower. So these are, are public health choices, and the more people are vaccinated, the better. So I do think that uh, if we do mandate the vaccine, um, in ways that is, is rational in public spaces. And people are incentive. I think those are strong incentives to be vaccinated, incidentally, because I think the mandates create strong incentives. Uh, I think that's a good thing. So I think businesses call to do so is a very good thing. I do think we have to be sensitive about the time it takes to get vaccinated, uh, people moving around in taxis. There's complexity here in South Africa. We have to be aware of that. But I do think that the more, uh, the more that we, the more we can mandate that people get vaccinated, I think the better response we'll have. I think the economy will recover will be in a strong place. If we don't, I think we're going to be in a world of pain. Uh, and we've seen it now. You know, we cut off from the world right or wrong. Uh, these are not good things. So we have, to, we have to act swiftly. Yesterday in your webinar, you spoke about saving thirty to 40,000 people uh, by being better prepared for the fourth wave. How do you quantify that or how do you unpack that? So we've done a lot of modeling around uh, what the fourth wave could be. Uh, this, was, this was before the, the latest variant, uh, you know, and if you look at the actual 
uh, number of deaths, uh, you know, without the, the numbers on the top of my, 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 my on the top of my head, but I think we, we've seen about 240,000 excess deaths. So ignoring official figures, if you model it out, we, we think that there'd be about 240,000 deaths from COVID um, in total. Um, our, our modeling of the fourth wave based on what we've seen and based on reinfection rates and mortality rates and vaccination rates, which I think are the fundamental issue, is that the, the fourth wave could, could kill another 50,000 or so people. And if we highly vaccinated, high rates of vaccination, that could be down to 15,000 or thereabout. So the difference, the delta between high vaccination rates um, and lower vaccination rates are probably 30,000 deaths we expect through the fourth wave, 30 to 40,000 deaths. That's huge. Um, again, again, uh, this, the, the Omicron variant may, may change that, but it seems from the science and the extrapolation from the scientists is that it's likely that the vaccine will still stop severe death uh, and mortality. So I think that that expectation remains the same. So all the modeling shows the difference in deaths we expect through the fourth wave uh, between highly vaccinated and low vaccination is probably thirty or 40,000 deaths. That's significant. Um, and I think the deaths, as tragic as they are, don't underscore the severe illness, the hospitalization, the effect in the economy. I think it's a different world. You know, high levels of vaccination to low levels. I think it's an entirely different future for us. So, you know, the deaths are the most tragic, but I think that's the tip of the iceberg. I think the, the kind of just you know, the environment we would be in is different fundamentally. Perhaps looking a bit at it from a philosophical perspective, when you force people to do things, when you inform them they have to do it, and especially South Africans, I think, they don't want to do it. They, they refuse. They go onto the other side of the fence. Uh, isn't there a danger of this with mandatory vaccine, vaccines being introduced that people are going to boycott uh, sports events or just some uh, some people that you could have almost a, a movement that goes against this and uh, and ties it up in courts, etc. Yeah. Uh, look, I, th- I think it's possible. It's interesting. In our mandate, we found the opposite. I mean, we had to, uh, as, as you heard yesterday, we had about 94%. We, we think that will get to 97%. The rank-and-file uh, person inside Discovery, um, I mean, you know, the people who are absolute you know, they love vaccination, others are extreme anti-vaxxers, and they're, you know, the population groups all through the distribution. But generally, it's been very well received. Um, I also think that people working at home, this is still a hypothetical question, I think when people are back in the office and they're confronted with unvaccinated people, I think the environment will be different. You know, I think people will be, I think there'll be much more, I don't think conflict, but I think the issues will be much starker. You know, they're real. I think while people are sitting at home and they can make these choices and they're kind of insulated from, the, the conflict of those choices. I think things are different. So my sense is that I, I agree with you. I think the concept, and I, you know, we are not an organization that believes in, you know, everything we've done is about consensus. We, we, we run the organization through uh, through a, a flat structure of the, of decision-making. It's based on every everyone's views, et cetera. We're an incentive-based company. So I don't, I, I'm not one who believes in mandating and decreeing, but I, I do I do think there's something, I wouldn't say artificial, I think just the misinformation about the vaccine has created kind of a sense that there's an, there's an, there's a, an equilibrium of views here, you know, that, that I, I don't think that that's really correct. I think there is, the science is unequivocal, and I'm not sure we should be debating it as if there's, as if, as if there, there's another way to this. I'm not sure there, there is. For sure there are some risks and there's some side effects, you know, in the extreme, um, but the, the, the trade-off between that and, and the effect of not being vaccinated is so stark that I don't think we really have a choice. So, you know, I, I'm scared to be, 
I'm scared to be the, the face of mandates and the face of, I don't think that's true. I think that societies have choices to make based on rationality. For sure, there are trade-offs in that. You know, in everything we do, there are trade-offs. We accept we wear seatbelts. It's not a great thing to do. You know, it's not regressive to do something. It's progressive to do it. But it's, you know, on, on balance, it's a better thing to do. Um, and I think the same with the vaccine. So I agree with you. I think we have the risk of creating uh, kind of these kinds of debates. But we've seen, and I think around the world, there's 3 to 5% people are hard, hard anti-vaxxers. And I'm not sure we'll convince those people. And we have to listen to them uh, with respect. We really do. And I hope you made it clear yesterday. We've got, I think, 337 or so objections out of 10,000 people. That's a pretty small number. It's 3%. We're going to listen to them very carefully and listen to every single one of them, understand their concerns, try and listen. And some will have reasonable concerns. Some will have deep-seated religious views based on deep-seated tenets of their religion. We have to be respectful of that. We cannot ride roughshod over that and make reasonable accommodation. But I think that people just having a view about the science, I think we have to, we have to take a view uh, on that and, and be pretty clear. But I think those dangers remain. But, I mean, you have to ask the question. It is an interesting paradox we seem to accept a lockdown or these restrictions you know we'll mandate you know level five restrictions where people where this is not side effects everyone's business is affected you know tens of thousands of smes go out of business people lose their livelihoods their lives it's amazing versus mandating a vaccine which one in a million people have side effects you know i'm saying if you look at the tra- you know i wish the there weren't stark choices to be made but it seems there are between ridiculous lockdowns which affect everyone or a mandated vaccine, which is also feels regressive, but it's not because it affects one in a million. You know, so, you know, it is about choices. And again, I'm not sure you just have an issue of mandate or not. I think hopefully we can have a regime of different kinds of mandates that ultimately over time, most people are vaccinated. Um, Not a simple issue. And I hope we don't come across as arrogant at all. Uh, Quite the opposite. I think we're learning here. So what do you think? And I, I, knowing you as well as I do, you think about these things a lot and you reflect on them a lot. Where does the vaccine hesitancy come from? Look, I think we're in a world of, of social media and access to data. And I think there's considerable misinformation. I see it all the time. People send me articles. They look unbelievably um, uh, authoritarian. Often they're absolutely not. I think that's one issue. I think there's also a deep divide. There's also deep issues that you've raised, uh, you know, uh, earlier on now about ideology, where people don't want to be told what to do, and I, th- I think that's there's relevance to that. I think you know there's there's virtue in people feeling they have the ability to make choices. So I think this stuff kind of uh, comes together in a in a noxious way, where you get people ultimately believing strongly they will simply not do this. And ultimately, it's interesting, as I said before, I think it boils down to about five, three to five percent of people feel incredibly strong about it, you know. And uh, I don't know, I guess that if you looked at other choices we make as, as societies and other things that we regulate, if you gave them to free choice, you might get the same thing. You might get a, I probably will, I'm sure. You'll get a small group of people who feel strongly, I'm not doing this. You know, you still see people riding these, uh, you know, these motorcycles across the U.S. without helmets on, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed at the choices they make. Now, it's a choice they can make. Happy for them, and they would feel strongly. I love the, the wind blowing through my hair. I wish I had more of it, you know, the wind blowing through my hair. But, you know, in a society like ours, we've regulated. You wear helmets. It's not okay. Uh, but, but it's interesting. Those choices are quite, are quite personal. They don't have an effect on others, you know, generally. Even seatbelts don't have an effect on others. They are. The vaccine, I think, is different. That's why I think it has a stronger case for a regulatory response, the public health imperative, it's not a private choice, it's a public choice, um, is more complex here. So I don't know the answer to it. I think it's multidimensional. Uh, I'm hoping we can get through it. 
by getting more people vaccinated and not getting through this to this incredible ideology. It's intriguing. Your point earlier about South Africans. I mean, South Africans are, I think, an amazingly not compliant society. But we, you look at people that have masks generally. We don't have the problem in the U.S. where people, you know, defiantly walk out. We don't have that. I see people in the street of all ages, all income bands, quite respectful of each other. It's quite interesting. Um, the vaccine has created a certain rub around the science for some reason. I don't know. We're all experts on epidemiology and virology and whatever, and we're not, <laughs> myself included. You know what I mean? We have to go to best yeah. science. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm being verbose here, but you ask a, a complex question. Not you know, we, ran, we ran a piece today from our partners at the Financial Times of London on Pfizer, and it's a really hard-hitting piece on how Pfizer decided from day one they were going to make the maximum amount of profit possible out of the vaccines, whereas AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson have taken a different route. And perhaps that's also um, participated or contributed to vaccine hesitancy. Like, okay, so Pfizer might have the best vaccine, but damn it, why do they have to charge $30 when AstraZeneca is only charging 4 for instance? That may be... Uh, something that contributed to it as well, perhaps? Because we do often hear, oh, well, Discovery just want to make money out of this or Pfizer just want to make money out of this and I'm not prepared to to uh, to support their, their profiteering. Oh, there's, there's probably, no, not probably, there's for sure those elements and I've heard those debates and seen those videos. But what's intriguing about the South African experience and I've, I've been involved in it, as you know, is that We've actually, in the early part of this, the process is, is the, the view that we'd never get the vaccine, we're going to get the wrong kinds of vaccines, this country will never be able to vaccinate its people. Quite the opposite, credit to government, credit to business, we developed a, a procurement structure and a, a deployment structure where we can vaccinate at scale and there's no, whether you're right or wrong about the profitability, the truth is, although it's, the cost is borne somewhere in the country, the truth is at the point of care, the vaccine is free. Any individual can go for a vaccine, the richest, the poorest, the cleverest, the stupidest, it doesn't matter. You can go for your vac vaccination, get it for free, and it's based on the best science, whether it's J&J &J or, or Pfizer, hopefully boosters will be available soon. So, so while those are, those are important arguments, and I think they may have some merit around profitability, I don't know, for the average, uh, not for the average, every single South African citizen, it's available to you based on the science. You are not you are not uh, adding to the profiteering of Pfizer or Jane or anyone. So again, I think, I think you're right, there are all those elements, but the irony here is we don't have this problem. We're not funding it out of, uh, you know, we're not making choices about profitability here. The access is there. And again, I think that that is one of the impetuses behind, I think, the, the morality of a, of a mandate. There is no discrimination in the, the availability of the vaccine. Um, it's based on science. It's based on the access is there. You've done Every well long, as a country. Yeah, and, and in many ways, South Africa has done incredibly well in, in this. But what about longer term? And I think that's also something that's worrying people. When you have a virus, it surely longer term doesn't want to kill everybody that it goes into, i.e. and uh, COVID uh, destroying all of the hosts. And apparently, uh, it, it seems to make a lot of sense that the virus is will live easier within the human bodies as time to come. But are you, perhaps a message that's going out is that we're going to need boosters, we're going to need vaccines every year because this is one virus that uh, society is not prepared to live with. 
Yeah, look, I, again, I'm not an expert. I, I must be careful to just quote what the science we are following is. I, I think directionally the views over time, the vaccine, the, the virus becomes less dangerous and becomes endemic. And in an endemic regime, there are potentially boosters and vaccines from time to time and hopefully antivirals like uh, Paxlovid from from uh, from uh, Pfizer and others from Merck. You know, those kind of treatments become when people become sick. So my, my, my sense is over time, this is going to be a lot less intrusive. We'll learn to live with it like we do with many other illnesses, the flu, etc. Um, so I think over time, uh, the scenario people should prepare for is one that will live. We'll get back to normality in some way. And I don't think it's long. I think it's going to be hopefully this... This Omicron might be that, much more contagious, but much less deadly. Hopefully, we're in that, that situation. We don't know yet. But I think that we will see a, a, a normalization. And the vac- I think vaccinations may be part of that regime. So, I mean, best that we, we come to some kind of comfort with the science, you know, and we take the, the data seriously and we just ease into a world where we can get back to normality. I think there's nothing more important uh, than that. Um, so I don't know what regime... We'll be into Alec, but my gut feel is vaccine in some way will be part of that that cocktail of things we need to do. Um, and again, I think we need to get comfort with the science in some way and, and take the real data seriously. Or perhaps the pills. We now know that Merck have got a pill and Pfizer have got a pill, which are, are being approved around the world. Perhaps that's it's going to be as simple as that, that you you get COVID and you take a pill and it's it's mild in the same way as hopefully uh, Omicron is uh, or does turn out to be a lot milder than perhaps the the first few variants that that yeah. cause such enormous deaths. Yeah, but I have a nagging worry again. I, I must be careful. That's a personal thought. I'm not an expert, but if if viruses are present in people, you get variants. You know, and with immunocompromised people, those variants change quickly, and you can get to a situation of something more deadly coming about. Um, so it's still better for a population to be vaccinated than to be treating, you know, curing it when it happens. So, but these debates will rage on. My sense is both the vaccine and the, the treatments will get better over time and we'll learn to live with it, you know, and hopefully these, these debates will recede. But, I mean, our, our impetus was actually quite myopic. We've got a fourth wave coming. We've got to save people, you know. We've got to get back to normality quickly and there's no time. Well, the thing that surprises me in this whole debate especially the criticism of discovery, is that your business model is actually to keep people out of hospital. Hospitals, we all know, are very expensive. And so you would be following an approach, surely, unless you're completely insane, of wanting to keep people as healthy as possible and not in hospital and certainly not dying. Uh, And that seemed to have got lost somewhere in, in all the discussions and all the criticisms that you're taking. But when people approach you, and attack you, and uh, anti-vaxxers are everywhere, or people who are vaccine-hesitant are, are everywhere as well. How do you respond, maybe to, to close off this conversation, how do you respond to them? What is your, what is your starting point in that kind of a discussion? Um, I mean, firstly, just to, 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 to frame the point, we've had, we've had, I know there's been criticism, but in the main, we've had a lot of praise. I think the organization has been seen in a very good light. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite proud of our position on this, not 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 uh, no hubris, but but very proud of our position. We've had a lot of praise as, as kind of leading a, in a complex environment. Uh, so in the main, we haven't had much criticism. I think. Uh, I mean, the criticism, if it if it is level at me, I'm pretty clear with deep conviction. We're trying to save lives. The data is unequivocal. This is a public health issue, and the vaccine is available. And therefore, when you bring those things together, uh, a logical policymaker would say, you know, 
make vaccine mandated because people have some doubt you have to do this to, to save lives. So I'm absolutely, I think our board is completely com- convicted behind the idea that we are saving lives. That's our purpose, make people healthier. So, you know, you might have to take criticism, you might have to be in some uncomfortable debates, but I know we're saving lives and I know that 95 or 97% of our staff will enter this fourth wave vaccinated. You know, that, that lets us sleep at night comfortable, um, you know, that we've done what we can do. I'd hate the opposite uh, to be, you know, kind of in intellectual debates that, that appear good, but you actually are leaving people vulnerable. So I'm completely comfortable that we followed our core purpose and happy with the science we follow. I think any organization, any country, any policymaker must base their decisions on the best science and the best morality, uh, you know, which I'm comfortable we've done. But to make the point, our people and generally the narrative around what we're doing is very positive. I'm quite proud of it. I've been very comfortable.